Welcome to Transforming the Trades, the podcast where we empower you to take charge and innovate your business. Whether you're a plumber, electrician, or any other trade professional, this show is designed to give you the tools and strategies you need to succeed. Sit back, grab a cup of coffee, and get ready to take your business to the next level with Transforming the Trades. There is a very infamous quote, cash is king, cash is queen, whatever, it rules. At some point in a journey, money is needed and required. You cannot pretend your way to success. And now that I'm down the journey a little bit, but Contractor in Charge, we're all about how we help transform the trades. I know this is a podcast. That's the name of the podcast. But one of the things that I'm pushing onto my leadership team, I shouldn't say pushing, help inspire them to think about is mm -hmm. how do we make a difference and transform our client so that they're better than when the day they started with us to where they are now to be transforming with the clients that we serve. So if we look at innovation and we were to find that to be more specific, maybe it's developing a software, maybe it's developing a business model or launching a new product or service. The idea could be the innovation, the steps of innovation eventually has to have money, whether it's in the front end or in the early stages of it, or it's when you're broke, and you need somebody to help you out. So innovation for me either starts with you have money and you're willing to invest in innovation or you have an idea. It is an innovation. You can start it, but at some point it requires money to succeed. It just does. Funding is necessary. And when the private equity world and venture capital world, world, that's what they do all the time is that they find startups, which are great ideas. And they fund based on the potential that they're going to get as a return, but they're leveraging somebody else's innovation is what they're doing. At the end of the day, it takes money. It takes cash. I've always played on the principle that cash is king. I've always been an individual that I don't buy things that I can't afford. I size things based on, can I afford it? Can I not afford it? Does it, do I need it? Do I just want it? So that's just my characteristics. Every business I've ever owned or started with an investment of cash. And I always looked at that money as money that if I lost it, because it didn't work out, it wouldn't impair my family or my lifestyle. It just wouldn't. So when I started contractor in charge, I set aside $100,000. That was my cap at that $100,000. If things hadn't started to generate a return or put money back in the bank so that we could start understanding it was going to be a real business model that could survive, I would have at some point made a decision to probably shut it down or made it let it go dormant. So what I believe is true is that a lot of us have great ideas. And it all comes down to, I might have the great idea, but if I don't have the money, I probably am not going to get to the end of the road, whether it's self-funding or third-party investment or family and angel funding, something has to make it fly. Something has to be the wind underneath those wings to get it down the road. I believe a lot of people have a lot of good ideas. Unfortunately, they don't have the money 
And therefore, their innovative idea just goes dormant. Somebody who does have money may come along and pick up off of that and move forward. So if I were to engage with a business owner that was looking to launch a new business or a new innovation, I would want to first assess whether or not their lifestyle can afford the risk that they're getting ready to take. So let me give you an example. Do you have a family and do you have small children? Do you need health care? Do you need two vehicles versus one vehicle? Do you need to rent or do you own your home? So I would start at the personal level first and say, let's talk about what you can afford that you're willing to put into this that doesn't diminish or impair your personal life. Once I've done that assessment, then I would say, okay, based on the affordability, what is that amount of money and what can we do with that amount of money? How far does it take us? So does it put money in the bank to pay overhead? Does it put money in the bank to pay for software? What does it pay for? And it starts with what's essential for the business, what's needed for the business, not what you want. You don't need a brand new truck. You might do just fine with a five-year-old truck. You may not have a wrap that surrounds it. You're going to have to wait so you can pay that $4,000 for a wrap in, in, in this industry. Um, it may not be the top-line software and all the bells and whistles of the software. You may have to start with a smaller set of functionality. And by the way, I would advise when you're smaller, it's probably better you start smaller and not try to eat the elephant all in one bite. It's not as overwhelming. So then I would assess that. And then once that assessment was done, I'd look at what is the investment based on the needs to operate the business and have a discussion with you as an individual and say, okay, either you have to have the money or we got to find investment from somewhere else. And my honest opinion on this is find those who believe in you and ask them to be part of this journey that you're going to take. You don't have to go and buy high price funding. Well, and by the way, in our world, most of that is called credit cards, right? So you don't have to expand your credit card to the point that all you can do is afford to pay the minimum payment because you're paying for all these other things. You've just defeated your purpose. Your shortfall is actually that balance you owe in that credit card. So you, it's really assessing what can you afford to drive this innovation and then determining whether or not you need investment from others to help you or you find a way to fund it yourself, right? So that would be the first thing I would do. Most of my clients started on a shoestring and they had some really tough years before they ever got to the level that they wanted to have to afford their lifestyle. One of the most successful clients I had is he had been a very successful salesperson in this industry and he knew how to launch a business model, to turn the cranks, to generate the sales. He started with limited funds, but he, over a period of, I guess it's been six years, grew it from what I knew at the beginning of 
$800,000 a year to $50 million. And he did it by being very innovative in this focus around sales. He was very much a sales culture. He drove his whole business on a sale or on the sales. He drove everything on customer quality. He had very succinct alignment between the different job roles, whether it was operations or it was in the field or if it was finance, what his goal was. He was a great communicator. He's an example that I think did it right. But also knowing the individual, he did not uh, take risks that would impose unnecessary challenges on his family or on his business. So he was somewhere in the middle. I've had many more who have had to scrap it together and figure it out, but none of them without taking a setback and going, okay, I get it. I can't do that anymore. I have to stop doing what I'm doing and I have to do something different. But the most successful ones are the ones who are generational owners, the legacy, the ones who have taken over the legacy company. They have the fortune of having a brand and an established business in their communities. And they have, if you will, a, an expressway versus a back road to this thing called a business. So in this journey of a business, branding is a long-term investment. It, in fact, if in the world of accounting and bookkeeping, typically we put branding into an expense category. It actually should be an asset on the balance sheet. We don't treat it that way. We write it off. but Absolutely. If you build that value chain for your customer in the market you serve, the demographic that you serve, to include, you have the often reminders of who you are, what you do, how you do it, why you do it, and you're creating that purpose in that community that you serve. That is an investment and it's a branding. And when you are in starting this journey of being a business, You've got to look at that funding as twofold. You need transactional transactions. You need those. You need what is promotional transaction. By the way, that's the one that I keep seeing sucking the money out, right? So that's the one that's constantly sucking the money out. And the traditional way of looking at that is, okay, I spent $1,000 and I got a $10,000 sale. I'd go, eh, well, maybe that sounds good, but it's not the total picture. The total picture is I, I spent $1,000. What did it generate in leads? And then what was my conversion and value of those leads, right? So what did I convert? And is that ratio, call it 10 to 1, acceptable? I'm not going to hear, I'm not here to debate whether it is or it's not. But holding yourself accountable to that money, that funding of that expense is important because, quite frankly, the leads that you don't service, could be invested in branding. And what I tend to see is that we overbuy leads and we have we don't even have the capacity necessarily to service the leads. And if you just think about the waste and I don't have that number put into a capsule and I can't spit it out, but I'm gonna guess that 30 to 40% of the leads are not serviced properly. They're not optimized. 30 to 40% of a standard advertising spend at a million dollar company is 30 to $40,000 a year, could be. And if you invested that in branding, 
granted, it's the turtle approach. You're slowly going to get there, but it happens over time. And once that branding and that investment begins to have a foundation and a foothold, that cost of acquisition for those transactional items becomes a lot less. So let's think about that. Let's be the innovator. Let's be the transformer, right? So in the marketing sense, branding is the identity, the unit that delivers in that marketplace. But here's the reality. Branding is your resourcing of skills and experience. The business processes that you use to enable quick and quality service, the customer experience that they have, the transparency of what you do, etc. I mean, we can go through all these different attributes of a, of a business, but a brand is very comprehensive. It's not just your logo. It's not just your name. It's what you are perceived and actually deliver as an end product and all the things that go into it. That's why I say we write all these things off as expenses when in fact they're all investments that we make each day, each week, each month, each year to bring us to that next level. And related to transformation, a good topic for transformation is let's talk about transforming what is what you think is a brand to what a brand really comprehensively is. And then understand how you fund and you, by the way, funding could be money. It could be self-devotion to what you do so that you are constantly building that asset to a greater good, a greater value. I think that's what we need to do. We need to put branding on the balance sheet. It is about the end goal. And then it's all that stuff in between, right? So, but yeah, to me, that is at the end of the day, it is reputation. So speaking of your financial statements, let's start with the profit and loss statement. So the profit and loss statement, the key role that it has for you as a business owner is to help you understand the sales or revenue that you generated at your business, the cost of generating that revenue, along with what is your overhead and your profit as a result of your billing activity. So in order to determine your right price, so there's two pieces to pricing. One is what will the market bear? So what will the market pay? Why do I say that? Because you don't want to sell it so low that, quite frankly, you're not achieving your overall a success on the on the financial performance. And then what is it that you need to generate the desired profit? So you have to look at it two ways. And as a business owner, I would say the first thing you need to do is understand what your market will pay. Don't be foolish and try to create a price that the market won't pay or quite frankly won't pay you enough for what you do part of what you have to start with. But that being said, you then look at the market propensity to buy, you now have to look at it and say, okay, will my financial equation fit into that billing model, that price? And it starts with that price and then it's understanding what does it cost to generate that product or service that you're going to deliver? 
And when I say cost, think of it that you're making, you're manufacturing something, the raw cost of putting something together. Um, and then from that, how much is left over to support the overhead? Whether it's advertising, it's office staff, it's necessary capital equip equipment leases, it's your building expenses, all of those things. You've got to do the hard work and say, what are fixed costs? What is it costs that I cannot or expenses that I can't eliminate and those that I have control over based on sales volume? And then you look at that and say, okay, how much is left over? What does that meet your desired profit, your net profit that you need? By the way, you are an investor in your business. That net profit is your return for taking that risk and investing your money into this business. So to have it be negative or zero is just not acceptable. You may as well go work for somebody else. Why would you continue to do that? But that's how you look at pricing. That's how you start understanding whether or not your billing rate, whether it's a per hour rate or a flat. One thing that is really important though, destructive way to your value chain is not being transparent on your pricing. So it may have worked 20 years ago when car dealerships didn't put the price of the car on the window. But guess what? Car dealerships don't do that anymore. You go online, you build the, the car, and it tells you your price. Well, your price. So transparent pricing technically could be a marketing strategy that you could even leverage because of where you might be in your cycle. Or it could actually be part of your branding. It's one of the fundamentals of your branding. So, all right, congratulations. You've just now learned that you need to fire yourself from the job that you've been doing to get yourself to a level of, let's say, a million dollars. Your first step is done. You've employed yourself. You've determined that you're a pretty good HR manager. You're a pretty good manager in delivering what you are delivering for your customers and services. You've determined that you are the one who needs to go. So your next step is determine, are you the right person to hire, train, and manage along with lead resources to take you to the next level? That is your next step. So in your self-employment years, you were learning you could sell something, now can you actually deliver against the bigger promise of what we've been talking about earlier, a brand? And what I know as a business owner is that I'm pretty good at several things, but I'm not good at all things. So you now need to understand, do you hire, train, manage resources for a particular function. I'm going to use the classic accounting. My exposure to accounting with every one of my clients is that they do not know, I shouldn't say all of them, but I'm going to say 98% of them do not know what a bookkeeper does. They do not know what they're supposed to do. They do not know how to train them. They do not know how to hold them accountable. And that is one area that I'm absolutely convinced, unless you have a good business understanding of accounting, 
you have no business having that function in your business as a job role and responsibility. That is something that you need to look at and partner with a company. And I'm not saying that you just do this with any company. You have to do the appropriate due diligence. Do they have a good brand? Do they have the right reputation? Do they deliver against what they say they're going to deliver against? That is absolutely a function in any business that should not be an internal function. Now, at some point, that might change as you get bigger. But when you're going to the next level, you've got to focus. Your goal is to focus and to drive what you do better and bigger, more of it. And typically, more of it means you need more resources, whether it be in our trades world, you need more trucks, you need more technicians. If you need more tra technicians, then you probably need to train more technicians. Same thing on customer service. I would say, is customer service something that you should internalize? Again, what I see in this industry is that there's a lot of money spent. I don't even necessarily call it investment, doing things that should you be doing those or should you consider a center of competency that has a brand that wraps up into their process, the training, the experience, the skills, the attrition, the support, the management of that resource. So as you're on this journey to that next level and you're going to fire yourself, determine where you're going to be the best manager that can hire, train, and lead. And it's not every department. It is not every department. You have to come to grips. So understand where you feel like you need or you've got the right grounding to do it. And I'm not saying that all business owners can't come up with this way, but why stumble? Why spend unnecessary expenses when you can go and, and understand how to maybe partner in those areas? And by the way, get you to that next level quicker. There's a difference, I believe, in a partner and a vendor. A partner is someone who's committed to your winning proposition. They are engaged with you. Uh, you're engaged with them. You have common goals and you have common outcomes as a result of. So a partner is accountable. A vendor is probably a transaction, right? But a partner is accountable to an agreement between the two of you. So when we talk about partners, we're talking about that relationship. As far as should you partner versus you should do it yourself, what I will say just in general is that services in this space of the trades, we have not historically had what I consider to be service providers that can deliver center of competencies. They have always been a vendor, not a partner. So when you're looking at this investment into this next level, partners bring profit. Vendors are probably an expense. Let's talk about a partner and let's talk about a financial budget. I tend to think about budget in two forms. One is a cash budget. So do you have the money to pay for it or do you have to acquire debt to do it? Or the other one is a financial budget, which is just looking at the linear equation that an, an expense is a percentage of the sales, which results in the bottom line being a percentage of income to the sales. 
So I want to talk about the cash budget first. Remember I said that cash is king. So what I tend to see on the financial side for a lot of businesses is that their P&L, their profit and loss statement, looks pretty good because guess why? All the debt is on the balance sheet. So they're acquiring debt to pay for the expenses that are on the balance sheet. And it's typically in the form of a line of credit or a small business loan or a credit card, most likely a credit card, probably 90% of it's credit card. And what I would say to you, if you're making a decision on a partner, first of all, does it fit into your profit equation first? So if you look at the type of partner that you're looking at, let's call it a marketing agency. Let's look at that. Most companies do not manage their marketing. They outsource it for all intents and purposes to a digital marketing agency. In the world of our, the trades, that budget on a P&L should be anywhere from 5 to 10% of your top line revenue. Depends on where you are in your cycle. So if you are spending 15%, something's not right. You're taken from somebody to pay somebody else. I can guarantee you, you got debt, right? So it may be, it might work in the profit equation, but it may not work in the bank equation, right? We became a profit first professional under uh, Mike McCallowitz some years ago. Uh, profit first is really understanding how to allocate funds, cash, with a purpose. So in the principle of profit first is first and foremost, you eliminate debt. And when I talk about debt, I'm talking about debt that is not current debt. So if you've got a credit card, you put charges on it every month, but every month you pay off that balance from the previous month. It's just a form of payment. It's not necessarily debt. It becomes debt when you don't pay off the month before. Um, but you need to look at this partner investment and or any investment, I would say. Fixed investment, is it a debt acquisition or it is, or is it a something I need to pay for and handle it now? So we have to be able to afford, again, do we need it? Or do we want it? And then can we afford it? And does it hit our desirable outcomes? So that's how I would like to have business owners to think. Don't pull the trigger without doing the proper analysis, which is the cost-benefit analysis of that partner or that expense, or I would even say that purchase of an asset. So as a wrap-up, let's talk about some of the things we had some conversations around today. So one of them was, what is the impetus, if you will, to go to the next level? What's the challenges of going to the next level? And I reflected back on the basics of you were actually employing yourself and now you're getting ready to go in business. And what does it mean at that next level? What's that change that you're going to have to deal with and understand? And we talked about your ability to hire, manage, and train resources that one, you may not have skills or experience in doing. And it's hard to necessarily find that type of resource. The other thing we talked about is 
can your pricing, the amount you sell your products and services for, is it the right price, one, for the market, and two, for you? So can it achieve the outcome of a net income, a return for taking the risk in this business? And lastly, we talked about your process that you would use to decide, do you do something in-house versus having a partner get involved in being part of your overall proposition? But if there's one thing that we talked about today that was that resonated with you, it was your aha moment. It was your takeaway. We want to hear from you. So contact us using the information in the show notes below. We appreciate your time and we hope that this brought you an ability to think outside the box and become more innovative and transforming. Thank you for tuning in to Transforming the Trades. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and gained some valuable insights and tips for your trade business. If you found this podcast helpful, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. And don't forget to check out our website where you can find additional resources and information to help you grow your business. Until next time, keep innovating and take charge of your success.